0: Renee Marie Stokolak, I'm Renee Marie. Sorry, I was on mute. I was telling Judy she I put her on mute, and I was on mute. So welcome to Renee Marie Stokolak. Like I was saying, and you couldn't hear me. Uh, this is going to be a wonderful show. This will show you how dynamic and how um, how intense and and really passionate. That's the word, passionate. Judy is about the work that we do. She goes on a cruise, and she's sitting at lunch and god seats somebody next to her that experienced two strokes and she breaks up a conversation and a couple weeks later here we are so in the next show as as well so it just shows you how how powerful god is how wonderful and dynamic judy is and how really passionate she is about the work that we are doing and I can tell that um, dr. April and John are just as passionate about this and and the story that you're going to hear is really um, a wonderful story and a love story as well because um, they you know they've been together for 21 years so, Um, As always, I'm going to let Judy begin to read the press that she has put out for everyone. Judy, you're on mute. You have to unmute yourself. Um, And then we're going to welcome Dr. April and John to the show. Um, And uh, they they really have a wonderful um, history. And, And I'll tell you this before Judy begins to read is. Um, I think it's very interesting that John had a stroke at 20, age 26, which everybody knows that's the age that I had it as well. So John, you know, I'm sure that his mission, like mine, we were talking in the Zoom green room, that um, that strokes can happen to anyone. It's not just your grandparents. So we, we that's really the basis um, to this show. And, of course, John's going to talk about his recovery in April. Dr. April's going to talk about um, her involvement and and they actually we're going to talk a little bit about um, they work you know part-time or I'm not sure part-time or full- time, but we'll talk to them about it for a correctional institution in, in where they live. And I think that's so prominent people that work for correctional correctional institutions. You know, it really, you have to have empathy and compassion, yet you have to do your job. It's really a whole different um, world where people don't really take the time to talk about. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Um, uh, And, of course, uh, Judy, take it away.
1: Welcome, John and April. Good morning. John suffered a multiple... John suffered multiple strokes starting August 26, 1999 with a transient isema attack, another TIA on March 9, 2009, a cerebral vascular accident on October 16, 2013, and a second CVA on January 12, 2022. Judy, Judy. Could you could you stop
0: talk for one second? I just want to give, you are not on camera, and I want to give you the opportunity to do it correctly so that we can see you as you're doing it.
1: So if you could start reading that again, we really appreciate it. I'd like to welcome John and April Percy to our show. John suffered multiple strokes starting August 26, 1999 with a transient ischemic attack, another TIA on March 9th, 2009, a cerebral vascular accident on October 16th, 2013, and a second CVA on January 12th, 2022. Each of these occurrences ranged from his ages 26 through age 48. All tests performed on each occasion were EKG, CT, ultrasound, and an MRI. John will describe and make audience aware of symptoms and recovery, as well as rehabilitation. John, better known as Dean Geronimo, is a correctional supervising program support specialist with 23 years experience. He, is currently, he currently is still employed in this profession. In addition, John is co-host and producer of the podcast, Straight Talk, with Dean and Mark. The podcast touches many aspects of our society, ranging from politics and social justice to entertainment and sports. The show is hosted with Mark Lee, from durham north carolina the podcast can be found on anchor dot fm slash squared 807 additionally john is prince hall mason member of the ancient egyptian arabic order nobles of the mystic shrine of north and south america and its jurisdictions the order of the eastern star and the Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity, Incorporated. Dr. April, also known as Dr. Diamond, have been together for 21 years, and they're going to be celebrating 19 years of marriage, June 21st, um, 2022. And April has been with John, as I said, for 21 years through his last three strokes. Dr. April is a correctional social work supervisor and is the host of the podcast On the Couch with Dr. Diamond. She is also a licensed associate marriage and family therapist. April holds a master's degree in marriage and family therapy and her PhD in advanced studies of human behavior. Her her podcast can be found on anchor.fm slash O-T-C-W-D-D. And it's our pleasure again to welcome April and John to our show. Welcome, welcome.
0: We're so blessed to have you both with us. And as I mentioned before, I really think that God puts people in a position and place for his purpose, not our purpose. And right. it really was a gift that Judy connected with both of you and everybody else that's on our our next show. Um, welcome. We're really privileged to have you both here, and John especially you because, you know, you you're the in this world, our world, our stroke and aphasia world. Um, we as we were talking before, we're really gifted to to still be here and really to talk to everybody. About the ways um, not to get a stroke or try to prevent getting a stroke to minimize and so April Dr. April, if it's okay, I'm gonna let John talk a little bit first. Um, sure. So John, tell us tell us a little bit uh, of your history leading up to the stroke at age 26.
2: You know what? Um, good morning. First of all, I would say it was normal. I guess whatever my normal was at that time. Um, I worked in retail management, I kinda worked a lot, I smoked a lot as far as cigarettes, you know, with that, trying to stay awake, not eating, um, probably smoked a pack, pack and a half a day. Didn't think anything of it because like you said, strokes at that time to me were for older individuals and then, you know, life goes along as normal. And August 26, 1999 shows up. I wake up that morning and I can't feel anything on the left side of my body. And it's just numb. Feels like pans are sticking in from my feet all the way up to my shoulders. Lay back down. You know, maybe i slept on it wrong. I don't know. So then when I got up and tried to move around, it was a little difficult trying to get around. I was able to get in my car. and went to my father's house. And when I walked in, he said, what's wrong with you? I was like, "Mm, I just don't feel too well. You know, I'm just going to sit here for a few minutes until it's time for me to go to work again. And he said, well, I'll take you to work. I thought it an odd request at first, but at that time, the way I was feeling, I was like, okay, cool. He'll drop me off at work. He'll come and pick me up. Everything is fine with the world. He was, he? To the he, hospital.
0: he was taking you to the hospital not to work he
2: took me to the hospital
0: he was he was he probably would have said to you oh let's go to the hospital You're like no i'm not getting in that car he was so
3: smart
2: <laughs> he was just, so
3: smart yeah
2: When we started driving i'm like um you missed the highway turn he said no we're not going to the highway today you know and when i got to the hospital it was like all right well i'm not going to argue because we're here now plus that's the one person on this earth now that my mother is no longer with us physically, but I'm not arguing with him. You know, anybody else, I might try it, but him, <laughs> no. You know, so we went in there. Um,
0: Can I ask you uh, another question before you take sure. it? Yeah. Was your father aware of stroke signs? Yeah. Is that why he took you?
2: Mm, he had suffered one three years four years prior. Right when I was graduating from college, he had one. So I think he knew what he was looking at. And I was trying to hide it at the same time. So,
1: so John, in other words, you were were able to walk, but you had numbness?
2: Yes. I was able to walk. I had numbness. And, you know, I just felt real tired.
1: How was your speech at the time?
2: my speech at that time wasn't bad I just you know took me a while to try to get my words together in my own head and then from there you know but it wasn't a lot of questions being asked you know my dad and I I talked to him and then it was kind of like okay until I got to the hospital and then they started asking me what day is it do I know where I am you know how old am I and when, once you get to like the fourth time of someone asking you the same question, I know I am this way. I don't like to repeat myself. So <laughs> I got a little frustrated, but then they took me for the test and I think I stayed one night. They said the test came back normal. I didn't feel the numbness or the tingling anymore on my left side. So they sent me home. You know, they gave me, to uh, start taking... A baby aspirin yes and follow up with you know with the um with the doctor okay so the next day guess what I went to work you know I did follow up with the doctor and then had blood work and had to take a stress test and something else and they were like well everything appears to be normal fine you know they say well you all right time goes past we fast forward now to 2009, and I wake up that morning because I really didn't change anything except my job. You know what I mean? As far as what I was doing, I didn't smoke as much because I came out of retail management and went to corrections. Still was a smoker, but not as much as I was when I was working in retail. Woke up, uh, it was almost 10 years later, and I feel like numbness now, but it's on my right side. Mm And I'm like, okay, I know what this is. I don't particularly like it. I hope it's not it, but let's go find out.
0: So you were just taking an aspirin a day. That's the only blood thinner you were on, right? In
2: fact, in those 10 years, the first four years, I was taking it. And then the the doctor that I had said, oh, you don't need to take it anymore. You know, you don't need to take it anymore because then they asked why I'm like, 30 at that time. But now when we come forward, and I'm in my later 30s, and we um, went to the hospital and here we go again. Now I'm in a different state. I have a different profession, you know, and, and here we are with uh, what appears to be signs of a, of a stroke. If I remember correctly, I had a couple of tests done then. And from there, stayed another night in the hospital, so one night stays, <laughs> and everything went back to normal again
0: now you were you and Dr. April together at this time with your second stroke?
2: Yes, we have been married for now almost six years okay um so
0: so, so Dr. April, did you know any signs of strokes at that particular time
4: and did you yes, and, I- did, and did John let you know? okay so yes i I answered the first part of your question yes i know signs of stroke because prior to me working in corrections as an assistant social work supervisor i was in a medical field so i was an emt so i uh yes so for many years and and john and i actually met in virginia in jail Working in the jail, so he I was, was a in the medical. I was in the medical <laughs> department, in jail, and he was a correctional officer. You yes, we both <laughs> worked work there. Let's clarify: they weren't in jail; they met were right. me working he in jail. The <laughs> That's right. Most people ask us too: who was in jail? No, we worked there together. So I was working there, and so I had I'm very familiar with a lot of different symptoms, but with John. Yes, he will hide it, and he's not going to let you know what's going on, but I know what I'm looking at. So I'm asking him questions. You okay? And then he'll say, yeah, I'm okay. No, you're not okay. You need to go to the hospital. And one thing he'll say is, I don't want to go to the hospital, but you will go to the hospital. So we're going back and forth. Then finally, he will say, okay, I'm going to go. So when you're looking at someone having difficulty uh, you know, uh, not doing what they normally do, or you, you see these signs and actually you start seeing things early on too, because I can see being very fatigued. Uh, you know, the energy is gone. And then now one day he wakes up and now he can't feel on one side of his body mm-hmm. or he, and the first thing he said to me was my cheek feels it, it's numb. I said it, it is. So now I'm getting him to talk to me because I need to see what's happening. Right, right. And right. little by little, the difficulty of speaking began to happen more. So I said, no, you need to put your clothes on. We're going to go to the hospital. And then we went. Um, and then that's when he found out, yeah, he had a stroke. And and when you you're looking at it, And and to your listeners that are listening today about this, it can frighten you at first, but your objective is to try to stay as calm as possible because the person that's experiencing the stroke, you can also send them into a panic because they are nervous already because they're unaware of the unknown because that's what's happening. It's an unknown feeling. You don't know why this is happening to you. So try your best to gather yourself. Then approach it as best as you can. Or if it's more than one person's in the house, get the calmest person to handle it. Because if you don't, you will send them somewhere else where they're going to be frightened and thinking, well, I'm dying then because you, you know, you're scared. Something else is probably getting ready to happen to me. Just try to stay as calm as possible. Right. that right. table because a stroke mm-hmm. is a brain mm-hmm. trauma. So talk to us about that. Talk to
0: us about, you know, people don't realize because it's in, yes. you don't, you don't see it on the outside, no. you know, and no. that's what, that's why when we were, when I was doing my foundation and I was an advocate for strokes, I really wanted to make sure that we added aphasia onto it because that's yes. the result of, the, of yes. the brain trauma. And that's what a stroke is, yes. a brain trauma. So talk to us a little bit about a
4: brain trauma stroke. Okay so a brain trauma if we were to get scientifically uh in depth with it what is happening to your brain is that you are having small um hemorrhages that's what's happening it's like your brain is popping like the little vessels are popping and as they're popping it's because the bl- the blood has nowhere to go so it's going to ex- expand these little vessels are expanding and they pop. So it's like you're having a small aneurysm, basically. It's just not a big one. So you're, you're, the blood is trying to come out. Your brain is trying to work. So what is happening, it is a trauma that's happening to your brain because your brain is trying to figure out what am I trying to do is get rid of what is happening that's one thing that's happening. The second thing that is going on too is that now your brain is trying to function and it's high-wired, it's high like it's all over the place. So it doesn't know what to do. So what it does is it spins your body into misfunction. So think of your brain as a computer. If that's your computer exactly, is not working. That's exactly, what I would, that's
0: exactly yeah. how I make people understand that our yes. brains need to be defragmented. And it everything
4: needs
0: to be set back into space. So Correct. So but yes, Correct.
4: Yes. That's exactly right. You got it. So your brain is doing what it's supposed to do as a computer. But if the computer is frazzled or just like a battery goes bad in a computer, so does the rest of your body because it doesn't know what to do. Your brain tells your body everything, including helping you breathe, helping your heart work all of those things. So if your brain is now being traumatized, then your body is going to follow the trauma. So what happens? The left side of your body becomes numb. So this is what's going on because there's certain part of your, your brain, you have the right and the left hemisphere. So again, I'm not going to get super technical, but it's going to help you understand what your brain does. So your left controls your right. Your right controls your left. Okay. Cause that's, I know it sounds weird because most people think it's the right, the right. No, it's the opposite way. So if your brain is now, whatever's going on the right side of your brain, your left side of your body is going to become numb because that's what's happening on that particular side. So John, This is, Mm -hmm. is, I know, like Dr. April's talking
0: about, you know, the technical side of it, the the medical side of it, right? But let's get really down to how it feels, because that's what I try to make people understand, like, how it feels to suffer a stroke. How how did it feel at that particular Mm -hmm. moment? Um, the second one was worse than the first one, I, I believe. It, it was- not
2: not really. Um, the no. first and second ones were similar. They were just on opposite sides of the body. Okay. But now let's fast forward to October 16, 2013. I just turned 40 years old three months prior. I'm getting ready for work. Mm-hmm. Took a shower. Iron my clothes. I have all my clothes on. I'm going to tie my bow tie. I, got
0: a I have a question. Were you on uh, any? I have a question before you continue, so people know the story. Were you okay. on any other medicine other than a, a aspirin a day?
2: I wasn't even on the aspirin day then. I am also I also have Crohn's disease, so I take the medication for that. Okay. Okay. So I'm feeling normal until I start to tie my bow tie, and I cannot tie my bow tie. Ties that I've been tying for since 1992, just to put in this perspective of how long it's not me just learning how to tie one. Okay. So I close my eyes, That's I do like this, and I look, and I'm standing in the bathroom, and this is where I get really nervous, because to my left is the door to go out into the bedroom. Right in front of me is the sink. To my, I'm sorry, to my right is the door to the bedroom. To my left is the toilet and the shower. But when I did this and opened my eyes, everything was in inverted order. Wow. So now the door is to my left. I'm not moving because I'm like, the door is not supposed to be mm-hmm. on that side. There's no way that the toilet and the, and the shower stall are to my right.
3: right?
2: Unless I turn around and, and I'm going to the window.
0: And it's pretty impressive that you were aware of that.
2: You, well, it'll you were- make you stop. Because when you know, and we've been in this house since 2004, so when you know what everything is, you kind of, after a while, you can walk through your house with it blindfolded or in the corner. Right,
1: right. right.
2: I'm standing here with the light on, and I'm looking at everything in an inverted order. So I said, you know what? Something's not right. I still, you know, my head starts to hurt right across here. And I'm like, you know what? My wife's still asleep. Let me wake her up. This is where it really gets weird because the way I'm speaking to you now is the way I heard myself calling my wife who was in the bed. When she got up, the look on her face was like, what in the world are you saying? (laughs) And now I'm still trying to tell her, hey, look, you know, I don't feel quite right. My hair hurts and I can't tie my bow tie. I'm saying this and it's here. Right, 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 right. About the same. And so she wakes our son up. He comes in. He asks me, what day is it? I'm like, I tell him what day it is. He looks at her like, yeah, something's wrong. And I'm like, can nobody understand what I'm saying? So now I take off. I just start taking off my suit because I was like, yeah, we're going to have to go to the hospital again. I I really don't want to go. But this time is really weird because... I do like this again and everything goes back to normal. So I'm like, all right, well, maybe I can go to work. No, I can't go to work because my head hurts and nobody understands what I'm saying. So it would be terrible to get to work and think I'm having a conversation with some people and they're all looking at me like this. So we get to the hospital that time. Um, We walk in. Didn't take long for them to take me to the back you know, start having tests. And this time... I'm asked probably about three or four times if I use illegal substances. No, I don't. I smoke cigarettes. Those are legal. (laughs) You know? And, And after like the third or fourth time, I'm like, why does everyone keep asking me do I use cocaine or something like that? They said, "Well, usually because
0: because you because of your age." And right. I had and uh, I, right. let me let me interject for one second. I had a gentleman come to my house, and he was putting in um on my cable at that particular mm-hmm. time. And you know, we're talking and stuff like that. He had that he had a stroke, and he said the same thing. The three times he went to the hospital, they insisted that he was doing drugs, and he's like, "No, I'm not doing drugs." And that's so critical. Time is of the essence when you suffer a stroke. So they're right. wasting time as right. professionals. Not, I mean, that is one key to it. But let's look at the whole picture, you know. So go ahead. Sorry about that, John.
2: Right. No, no problem. No problem. So, you know, I, I'm still talking. But as I'm trying to talk, Dr. April was telling me, you know, just I got it. So she's answering the questions. Now they're asking me, you know, my history, my name, her date of birth and all of that stuff. So she's answering those questions. And I got frustrated because now I'm trying to talk and no one still can understand what I'm saying. They get mad. I start cursing in my head, but guess what? It comes out. So the person taking the information was like, I understood that. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Like I finally <laughs> can, can finally understand what I'm saying now, but I had to get to the point where I was ticked off, and I started cursing. I'm like, "Well, they don't understand what I'm saying anyway." They heard okay. everything.
0: Did you did you mention to them that he had had two prior strokes?
4: Yeah, I gave him the history. I also described what he was going through because his I I, I can tell you this: John rapidly went down quick because he went from like he described to you. Um, the bow tying and everything like that. So as the receiver trying to hear the information, it actually was all mumbling. No words. Right. Right. So, right. right. No words. And again, with him getting out of the bathroom, I was very surprised how he got out there because he told me he was trying to describe to me what was going on, but he could only do that later. When he was able to tell me what was happening but uh, the mumbling is what i was telling them look he cannot speak um he's going down fast because at some point he did actually like i i my son and i caught him from going down to the floor because he was getting ready to fall down and we picked him up and they we said no we got to get you dressed and we and i also said to him let me call the ambulance and he said no so we wow. put him in the car. We literally put him in the car. And it was it was very quickly like the, the, everything was going so fast. His blood pressure was so high, they turned the monitor so mm-hmm. he couldn't see it. Wow. Yeah.
2: But you know, after after I guess they forget to push the little button to uh you know take that off. And <laughs> so me and my infinite nosiness, it was <laughs> like 220 over 180, something like that. Oh, my God. Um, You know, and I was like, man, that's a high blood pressure. I feel bad for whoever's blood pressure that is. Like, hey, it's yours, (laughs) you know. (laughs) So,
0: John, do you have, so I I know we'll get back to, like, the story, but now this is three Mm -hmm. folks what is the cause? Right. What is the baseline for your strokes? Is it high blood pressure? Was it your smoking? Was it just a, hist- a a trait that you have from your father? Is it running your family? What I have all those questions for you.
2: And I did too. And the only thing that they could do this time, I spent three days in the hospital and they, they said, well, you know what? This time you've had a cerebrovascular accident. I'm like, what is that? They were like, in short, a major stroke. So now I have two minor, one major stroke. And they say, well, we still don't really know what the cause of the strokes are. But, you know, you may want to ease up on your smoking. And I'm like, well, you really didn't answer my question. So, you know what? It's, oh, I got to take these medications now? Okay, no problem. Add it to what I'm taking for the Crohn's disease. Let's go. I'm out of here. In fact, it's Virginia State's homecoming this weekend. Dr. Diamond drove me down. She said, You still wanna go? I was like, I'm out of the hospital now. Like, <laughs> all right, let's go. So we went down there and ended up coming back and and then life goes on. So now, you know, I'm still I'm conscious of it, but at the same time, you know, cutting back on the smoking. Now I started smoking at a very young age, so I remember my father telling me You don't want to start because it's going to be hard to stop. But at the same time, he had a cigarette dangling off of his lip. and It was bouncing up and down. And I was like, man, that is so cool. I want to be just like my dad. Uh So now when we fast forward now, I'm trying to get rid of him. And it's hard. And it's very hard. So I'm still smoking, you know. Still trying to maintain. I had lost my ability to write after that third stroke. So Uh for about six months. I couldn't sign any paperwork. I ordered a stamper, so I just slammed the stamper on there, kicked people out of my office, and no one really knew what I was going through because i never said anything to anyone. You know, even when I came back to when I came back to work, they're like, "Get back at work," and I'm like, "Yeah." They released me from the hospital, and they didn't tell me I couldn't come back to work. So hey, y'all, here I am. You know, and um, didn't have anything else until. This January, you know, this January, January 12th, worked the whole day, came home, I'm watching television, my phone rings, and there's one of my fraternal brothers, so we're talking, and as we're talking, I'm talking, and it sounds just like I just did, and I mm-hmm. said, oh no, oh no, wait a minute, I don't feel bad, and I'm trying to talk, and I'm like, you know what, of course I smoke a cigarette, I'll be all right. And as I'm still trying to talk and get through that, I told the person on the phone, I said, you know what? Let me call you back. I walked into the living room. My wife had just finished doing her uh, counseling session. She looked at me. She said, what's wrong? I said, man, it's happening again. And I don't want to deal with this, but let's go. We got to go this time. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not logging. Like, let's go to the hospital. Remember now, this is during COVID. So when we get to the hospital, she checked. She the attendant, check, they check me and they bring me right around to take my blood pressure. And the lady take my blood pressure, is ask me all these questions, and I'm like, <laughs> "Good luck trying to figure out what I'm saying." Yeah. So, <laughs> because, so they, uh, they couldn't. They,
0: so April, because it was COVID, Doctor April couldn't be in the room with you. Am I correct? She couldn't
2: even go. She couldn't even go to the back. When the last thing I remember them saying when I sat down to get my blood pressure taken, they were looking at her and they were saying. Man, we'll call you when he's ready. And I was like, "Wait a minute, that's my wife." Like, right? it's we're not about your about wife. Whole, it's actually, it's actually I'm the. About place. To have a whole different issue.
0: Yeah, I mean, she's your wife. But if you were in a different state where you could share the information, but she's your source of information. So they Correct. really should have had you on. I don't know if they did this, but they really should have had you on Facetime as you were talking to him because you are the source uh you're his ki you're his caregiver you're the, you know you're the yeah. person that that knows the history so mm-hmm. now did you go to the same hospital for all four
2: strokes no the very first um the very first stroke i was in virginia so i went to the hospital there in my hometown uh, Southside regional medical center the second stroke i went to what was then um the hospital here in Willenboro, it wasn't Virtua at the time, it Lord, was
3: Lord. Lord. Lord's
2: Hospital, Willenboro, New Jersey. The mm-hmm. third and fourth The third and fourth strokes, both CVA's, I went to Virtua in Mount Holly. Um, wow. This time, when they took me to the back, I was able to ask, I said, do you have an ink pen? And they were like, an ink pen? I was like, yeah, because just in case my speech starts to slur up again, I just need to write down what i need to say i'm back here by myself now i am the only person that can tell you about my history and i got you know so then they took me for all of the tests um they kept me for the first night took me for more testing and the doctor wanted to keep me for a second night so i ended up spending three days in the hospital but this time this doctor says sir you have what's called cerebral vascular disease Wow. Like, okay. I said okay explain it to me because I work in corrections I don't understand the medical part and I don't okay. feel like using Google right now because yes. you're right here and the way he kind of explained it was that you know your blood may have a tendency to clot Yeah. and they don't know what causes the clotting but then it could either go to the heart and cause a heart attack mind go to the brain and temporarily stop or, or action it's like it breaks into the control center and and holds everybody hostage. So nothing moves and nothing gets done. And I said, you know what? Finally, somebody explained what is going on. And this is the reason why. So now I have to go to a neurologist. I already had a cardiologist and, you know, I said, okay, we'll just add that to the, to the doctors. I need to go see because my granddaughter is five years old. And and if I had a goal, I want to be here when she turns 50. I know it sounds like a long ways away, but at the same time, you know, I'm like, all right. And then he said, well, you know what? You need to stop smoking. I'm like, here we g-. In my mind, I'm saying, here we go again. Everybody says stop smoking, but nobody says why. Well, his doctor says why. And he says, um, imagine the smoke assisting the blood clots to shut your brain down. It speeds it up. And I was like, wow, somebody finally explained it to me, like, okay, all right, I'm going to try, but it's been 33 years, man. I mean, we'll see what we can do. And when I got home, I went and got a box of Nicorette patches, used those and used some more patches that I had. The last cigarette that I had was that day I had that stroke, January 12th. So That's got
0: to be hard. It's got to be hard. You know? Not
2: hard now, because I don't I don't even feel, you know, like when we were on a cruise and we walked past that smoking section, I said to Dr. Dr. April, I said, um, man, I used to be this dumb. It was cold outside that night, too. I said, I used to be this dumb. she's she was like, what do you mean? I said, man, I used to come out in the cold smoke secret. <laughs> oh,
0: <okay>. so, <laughs> right so, Dr. April, tell us, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. How it feels for your husband to be in the hospital and you not to be able to be there. I, You know, when I think of that, I think of um, the stories I see on the TV when COVID was going on and in the, in the, really in the hierarchy of it. And people were in the hospital and and, and, and husbands and wives and families were outside of their hospital room yeah. with signs talking to their loved ones so that they knew they weren't by themselves. So I just, I I, I freak out because, you know, if my granddaughter has seizures and now, and it's just, I have three grandchildren and my children. And if they're, I just can't even imagine, I can't even imagine it. So
1: tell us a little bit. I can't imagine it myself when my dad had his hemorrhagic stroke.
0: I would have really flipped out if I couldn't go into the hospital room. Yes. So tell us Mm -hmm. how it felt and and what you did.
4: Well, uh, you feel like a little bit of separation anxiety because you don't know what happens when he walks past that door. I go one way, he goes the other way. And that's how you feel. At least I know that's how I felt. So then when I got, I, I think I was in the car almost home. I I called him because I know John too. A lot of people don't realize like well, his exterior, when you look at him, you're like, oh, he looks mean and all of this stuff. But he's not like that really. And he has the real soft part of him where, you know, we've been together so long that if you separate him him and i he feels some type of way especially when he's medically not feeling well so he relies on me to be that person to be there to say she can tell you what's going on and plus uh you know there was a time where he had surgery for his crohn's disease and i stayed with him every single day because i know his anxiety that he didn't want to be in that hospital by himself And his dad knows that he's walked out of the hospital before with everything Mm -hmm. on him. Oh my God.
3: Yeah, my God.
4: Yeah, and it is—it's very hard when you can only talk to the person by phone, and thank goodness for video too. So we had the opportunity to talk to each other by video, you know, call each other daily. I will call him even from work just to see what the doctor was saying, and he'll say, "Well, the doctor's in here now," and I tell him, "Go ahead and talk to the doctor, but you call me back and let me know what the doctor's saying." But you do feel helpless, okay, because you're not there to hear what's going on, and. I didn't know the severity of it. And you're right. You don't know what the outcome is when you're not there, you know, and you, in your mind, you're saying to yourself, well, he's going to be all right. And then the other side of your mind, you saying, well, gosh, if he's not okay, and I'm getting this, uh, that traumatic phone call, cause that's traumatic when a person is yes. lost yes. to us, yes. you know? So yes. that stuff is very scary. And that's the truth. You know, you sit back and you're sitting on pins and needles. So that's just how I felt. That you know, even if they had considered letting me go back there just to make sure I answered the questions and he and then waited for him to go upstairs, like we've done in the past, I would have been fine with it. But we can only go with the flow, really. Yeah. I mean, when in when April, God, Judy, I'm
1: sorry. In April, when you're separated from your loved one and your home and and um, they're really sick. And the phone rings. It's scary to answer the phone. Because, yeah. oh my god, what is? who is this going to be? Mm-hmm. You know, when, yeah. when my
0: daughter Samantha was in the hospital and my father was in the hospital, because they were in for major things, um, I'll never forget, like, I, I, I slept there, like, like I was there, but I slept there, because it's so intricate to be there for every single conversation yes. that happened. Yes. because you understand the trail, and you put, and the truth is, I'm not medical at all, um, but especially with my daughter and my father, like, you get you are who you surround yourself with. So every morning yes. while my father was in Hackensack Hospital, they would they would let me be a part of the conversation. They would invite mm-hmm. me to be a part of the conversation, the morning talk about my father's case. So you really did learn so much about the case. And I really believe that before this COVID world, that most hospitals are leaning towards going in that direction to make the family encompassed in the history and the um, and the storyline because it's a storyline as you're going through a, um, a health situation or anything. That because of what you said, Doctor April, that you know them better than anybody. You can you can be an important part of that conversation. You can right. you know their moves, you know their actions, you know them better than anybody. The doctors don't know that. The doctors don't know that. The doctors don't add that, so it really is an important uh, conversation. I hope that you know they're allowing us. I think now you can let. They're in, they're from last week. They were in the yellow zone. They weren't in the green zone in New Jersey. They were in the yellow zone, um, which isn't bad, but you know it's 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 still like one step up. But I hope in that the they York, get back
1: to that. In New York, they don't let you in. Yeah, they do not let. Anyone from your family, and even your husband or your wife, whatever it is. I can't imagine. They just take you in and they say, you know, wait outside in the car or go home.
0: So let's let's talk about something happy. How did you guys meet?
2: Let's talk about (laughs) the love story. You know what? All right, we met in
4: Jane. Yes.
0: Yes. So how (laughs) exactly did you guys meet? What were you doing, John? Did you notice, Doctor April? Did you get, did you know you? what,
2: um I was an officer. She worked in the medical department, and actually one of her coworkers had come to pass medication in my unit, she said, "Um, I know someone who acts just like you, and I'm like, "That's nice, okay. she'll be down this afternoon to pass medication. It's like, okay." And when she came in, she passed medication, and I had my rule for anyone who came to my unit, once you have done with your business, goodbye, see you later. Send her on away. way. Probably about three or four more times of her coming in to pass medication, I finally said, um, in the new millennium, women are to take men out on dates. And she looked at me, and she was like, what? I said, I hate to repeat myself. That's something I don't do, but I think you heard what I said. So I took my notepad out. So said, write your number on this right here. She wrote the number down, put it back in there. She finished dispensing medication, and then my customary form. see you later. Get out of here. I didn't call her for like three weeks. And um, then I said, you know what? I'm going to call. I ended up calling, and then about by there, and we've been together ever since. <laughs> hey, hey, hey.
0: And what did you think, Doctor April, when he called you?
4: Uh, first, I was like, "Hello, hello," what because I, it's <laughs> been three weeks. I, I I forgot about him. I'll tell you the truth; I didn't even think about it no more. But three weeks went by. He called, and what the voice that y'all hearing right now? It's actually deeper to me on the phone. So I said to him, I said, I'm sorry. I I really cannot hear a lot of what you're saying. Um, Do you live far from here? He was like, no, 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 no. I live like 10 minutes. I said, you can actually come here and we'll sit in the living room and have a conversation and whatnot. And that this is how I was able to sit with him, speak to him face to face. And, you know, we began to go out have a lot of fun. You know, it wasn't just, we jump into a relationship. It wasn't like that. It was more friendship that we rolled into naturally what happens next. Right. And then I had the time, my, um, I had a son already, you know, he was already three years old, but John has raised him from three years old to an adult man. So Uh he's his father too. So, um, when he came along in children's sense if you're a good person or not yes yes and, yes that and the animals right? that man yes
0: you love animals they you love know.
4: children yeah that's yeah. right they know and then once my son kind of gravitated to him i said okay maybe this is this is a good thing you know so i watched the dynamics between even the two of them And then, you know, as as a mother would, a lioness that I am, I did tell him, if you ever treat my son any type of way or me to any type of way, you out of here, buddy. There's, no, um, there's yeah. no reconsideration with that. So, uh-huh. He understood, though, from day one. He said, I get it. He said, if I were you or, or if I had a child, too, I would do the same thing. So when I tell you, John got a lot of things quickly. Like, okay, this is how she operates. This is the way she do things. Very respectful person, kind person. Always put us first always put us first. So I noticed that about him. That was the biggest thing that stood out and that family is important to him. Very important. So I said, well, this seems like this is the man that I want to be with. This is a family oriented man. This is where I come from. You know, a big family. John does. I don't know if his family is that huge, but he's seen my family. So he's like, oh my gosh, you know, y'all got a lot of people here. <laughs> <laughs> and he only got a chance to really see, because my uh, grandparents had 10 children. Wow. And then my grandmother is one of 12, so he's like, wait a minute, so he went to the family reunion, he said, this is a lot of daggone people out here, (laughs) so I laughed, he laughed, but he incorporated into my family so easy. Yeah. Very easy. So he, uh, you know, I knew it was a good Good choice, and I love the man, you know. That's all that plain and simple, he's just a good person, very good person, very supportive.
0: Yes, you guys yes. are a wonderful couple, and we're you know, we're blessed to have met you through Judy. Um, Judy, I you I mean, talked to us, Judy, and Dr. April, and John, talk to us about the cruise. We only have a few minutes left, but talk to it
1: us. It was about- wonderful,
2: yeah, um, very, very good. I want to go back like tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Especially to Coco Cay. Oh, yeah. Yes. Very, Coco very Cay nice. was nice.
2: White sand beach, pretty blue water, nice weather. It was an awesome, awesome day. Like they said, perfect day at Coco Cay. And um, yes. we had, you know, and even when we went to um, New Providence in the Bahamas, we had a good day there. And just being on that water, like those four days at sea, is calm and it's relaxing, and yeah, there's it's, a lot to do as well.
1: It's like a twenty-four hour party, actually.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Wow. wow. You get That's to put awesome. the world away for a little bit, and then you know, then it ends. It's so, gotta go back to work. It
0: ends. So, um, what did I want to say, I wanted to say something. So, did you guys? research what if john had a stroke on the cruise did you guys research because that's important like your life doesn't stop your life doesn't stop like my granddaughter i said she has seizures now so my daughter has to be proactive in finding out first of all insurance whether it covers (laughs) it my daughter went down to the bahamas one time and her insurance didn't cover um you could take out special insurance
2: for well, the yeah, trip. We took, out, we took out the travel uh, protection. So if something were to have happened to me while on a the cruise, then that would have covered, you know, that part of it.
1: And yeah. they take you downstairs to medical. And then if it's really bad, they get a helicopter and bring it to the nearest port.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, So you guys knew the system, you knew how things were gonna mm-hmm. operate so you felt comfortable mm-hmm. in in going and living your life and enjoying your life. Because you I mean, you know, we never know um what's gonna happen, you know. Um right. we can't we can't live expecting things to happen. We have to live our lives.
2: Right. You know, yes. like I always I always say and even at the end of my shows I say, you know, when you walk outside of your front door, showtime and the world is your stage. Just make sure that people are not watching the rehearsal. And in some sorts, the set, the health setbacks, the strokes, you know, the Crohn's disease, the diabetes, that's the rehearsal. So, when I walk out of that front door, what you're going to see, if I can make you laugh, if I can keep you happy, if we can have a good day, because I'm dealing with some other stuff back here, but I'll leave that to me, you know. Yeah,
1: that's definitely.
0: definitely. So we only we we're we're so happy that Judy had connected with you and. Honestly, I can't wait to, I would love to have you both to my house for for a, a barbecue outside and Judy can come from Long Island, you can come out from New Jersey, I can be the center point. Jim, you're more than welcome to come too. We'd love to have
1: you. I'd love to have people around. How far away are you from each other? Um, where are you? Where
0: you are Pardon me? I'm 15 minutes about- outside the George Washington Bridge oh okay
2: okay so that means you are in hackensack i'm right
0: by hackensack i'm right by hackensack. okay I
2: used, to, I used to live in hackensack so i know that area well and now we live in south jersey so we're in willingboro um in terms of exits we're exit five
0: off the turnpike or off the parkway
2: off of the turnpike in burlington county
0: burlington.
2: we're right around the street from mount law little like 30 minutes from Camden, 35 minutes from Philadelphia.
0: So they're Different. probably about an hour and 45 minutes, I would say. An hour and 45 oh. minutes. Two hours tops, I think.
2: No. We to get to it. you?
4: Yeah, yeah. About
2: an hour and 25 an hour. minutes. Okay.
4: That's it. Zoom uh-huh. in. <laughs> <laughs> we'll set it up. I have we'll a little
2: flying
0: We'll set it up. We'd love to have you. We'd love to have you. Thank you. But before we go, we wanna we wanna give you the opportunity to um, share your message to the world. We're, I wanna leave you both with, allowing you to share your message. Dr. April, you go first. John, I want you to be the, the, the last one since you're you're the the survivor.
4: Okay. So those of you that are family members to anyone that have had a stroke and you helped them survive remember, stay calm, look for the signs, move quickly, because it's about saving their life in a matter of seconds. So remember, stay calm, live life like you should, uh, meaning that the person when they're surviving this, you're surviving too, at the same time, you're surviving with them, you're walking with them. So when they're not giving up on life, you don't give up on life. You just keep going. You just find out what do I do because this is an adjustment to my life, especially if it's something new that comes upon you. So just keep going with that person. Be supportive. Remember, look for the signs when you're traveling. You prepare so then you know what you have to do. Is it an extra step? Yes, but if you love a person, it wouldn't be a burden to you so keep doing what you're doing if you're already that caregiver and that loving person to that person if you're not get to understand what strokes look like because you never know you could be you could save someone's life thank you yeah, you're welcome and and the truth is that that's
0: why we consider it an experience right it's not a whole story it's an experience that we experience for that one single moment and then we have to figure out how we're going to move along. So John, go ahead. You give us your last words.
2: Um, First of all, and I should have said this at the beginning, all praise to the Most High God because without him, I wouldn't be here. And sometimes the strongest soldiers are given the hardest tests. I didn't consider myself to be strong at all, but I guess he does. And when you deal with certain situations and instances like that, there's another test that I have to take hopefully I can pass this test and I'll listen to the doctors and I'll take the medication because it's a part of the ongoing test. But I'm going to stay positive at the same time because guess what? Tests become testimonies. And without that, if we all kind of like dealt with it and disappeared, then we can't learn from each other. We're not able to kind of, you know, What happens when this goes on or what happens with that? How did you deal with this? And to be able to sit here right now and to talk to you about not one, not two, not three, but four strokes. I can't be mad. It happened. This is a part of who I am now, but I'm going to tell you how I overcame this. And luckily, I keep taking one step and the most high keeps taking two more from me. So mm-hmm. keep going, keep pushing, stay positive. Don't let anything stop you from what you want to do because mm-hmm. when this life has ended, someone's gonna open the book of the story of your life. And it's up to you how you want that story to read. Yeah. And I hope you get a little entertainment along the way. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. my story's not done yet.
0: That's like the song, I Hope You Dance. I hope you dance. Yes. It's a great song. I sing that song. Um, but I, I I look at it like a softball game because I'm an avid softball player. And, uh, you know, each inning, I, I'm not in this game to lose. And it doesn't matter the outcome. And what matters is how I play the game. If I play the hardest I can play and, and I don't give up, And I I fall, I make mistakes, but then I get back up and I learn from my mistakes and I move on, which you have learned from your mistakes, John, right? You learned by by the third stroke, okay, can't wait, got to go, got to go to the hospital. I think it was a third or the fourth stroke, got to go to the hospital. You went to Dr. April and you said, got to take me to the hospital. There is no waiting anymore. So thank you so much. I can't wait to have you guys again on the show. Um, we'll, talk about, yes. we'll talk about faith. We'll be have a prayer show with you. We'll talk about faith. We'll talk about how important that is in your life to get through what you've got to get through. If I was April and my family was in the hospital, I would honestly go into a prayer mode. And, and I, and I yeah. spend a lot of time talking to God, communicating with God, connected to God. Just because it's it's the sometimes we don't have the physical things to get us through it, so we have to have something to hold on to, and God is the answer that I find the answer in, and uh, so
1: it is a blessing. Thank you, Judy. Want to say you have any last words? I just want to remind everybody about the signs. Be safe. Balance. Eyes, if anything's wrong with the eyes. Face, if the face is distorted. Arms, can you stretch your arms out straight? Is one arm sagging? How's your speech? If your speech is mumbled, that's a sign. And time is of the essence. I want to thank uh, John and April. You're a beautiful couple with a very positive message. And it's my pleasure to have met you. And I want to see you again soon
4: yes
0: thank you so much we're gonna we're gonna um, jim is gonna put the ending uh song on if you would want to stay to to meet your other uh cruise friends you could stay on for a little bit to to just say hi if you'd like to okay. otherwise you could stream out whatever you guys want to do um thank you so much for joining us what a wonderful show this was and we hope that you take away from it that life is fragile that um, yes. you, you know, you have to enjoy each single moment um, to have faith, um, to really know the signs of a stroke um, and just live your life, you know, like it's like it's the last moment, even though it's not the last moment. Live it like it's the last moment. Thank you so much. We always blow kisses. One, two, three. Bye, everybody. God Bye to all.
4: Thank you.
3: You're very welcome.